Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyle Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 54. Um, we're going to talk about UFC 274, obviously didn't talk about that yet. UFC Fight Night, we'll dive into some of the fights and what's next for um, some of the fighters that were on UFC 274 and last and last weekend's UFC Fight Night. Uh, we'll talk about some soccer. Uh, 0 for 1 so far, my Europa League final prediction was Rangers 2, Frankfurt 1. Uh, it was 1-1, and Frankfurt won on penalties. Uh, we'll get to my Premier League team of the season, doing a first team and second team. We'll get into fees segment. Obviously, we love doing fees segment. We, we, we decided together to hold back a little because he's going to be on about a little over a week. He'll be on. So, you know, we want to save a lot for when he comes on too. I'm going to do my post-lottery, way too early 2022 NBA mock draft. I'm doing picks 1 through 30. Uh, and then my post NFL free agency and draft standing predictions. Obviously, this won't be my final one, but I went through and picked every single game in the NFL season, um, and how it played out. Uh, you know, I just went through it, picked every game how I thought, and we'll get into that last. We're gonna start off though. Uh, UFC two seventy four was v- unreal card. Uh, we'll do. We're gonna start off. Randy Brown got a win over Chaos Williams. He looked phenomenal. I thought. Um, Big win for him. Um, you know, when deciding who he'd fight, I went through. I don't go off the didn't go off the UFC ring because he's not top fifteen. But I went and looked at some some world. Uh, what is it called? I love using these guys. Uh, RankingMMA.com. They do. They up their MMA world rankings. They update them all the time. They're really good at it. So for Randy, I did Gunnar Nelson. Um, I think it's a name for Randy Brown to fight, and Gunner needs, you know, Gunner just came back and got a win. I think it's a, if he could get a win over Randy, that'd be a very credible win. And if Randy could get a win over Gunner, I think he gets into the top 15. So I like that fight. For Tony Ferguson, obviously, Tony fought Michael Chandler. You know, Tony really turned back the clock in that first round, man. He looked like Tony. He dropped Chandler, even though he was on his back for a little bit. He was doing a lot of damage from the back. I thought he won round one personally. Until, obviously, 15 seconds into round two, he gets front kicked in the face. It was very tough to watch. I know there's a lot of rumors. He's he's really spoke about he doesn't know if, if he wants to go back to 155. He says he feels like feels really skinny, and he thinks at this point in his career at 37, maybe moving to welterweight and looking for some fights would be better for him. I agree with him completely. I put down Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz looking for a fight, and he wants to fight by the end of the year. I think November, December is what he's targeting for a return. Tony Ferguson, Nick Diaz makes a ton of sense to me. You could put it as a co-main event five rounder. Um, you, could, you know, I don't think they'd do a fight night for Nick Diaz because you'd, you'd obviously want people to pay to see Nick Diaz. He's still got a big name. Tony and Nick makes a ton of sense as a co-main event um, at one at one seventy. I love that fight. I think at this point in their careers, I think Tony would, should definitely win. But for Nick, it's a big name. For Tony, it's a big name, and I think it's a, it's a fight for Tony to get on track. And, and personally, I think he wins that fight. Obviously, I'll, I'll have to break it down more if this happens, but I love that fight for Tony. For Michael Chandler, who, you know, I, I, I agree with some people. He didn't look good in the first round. Uh, Tony really did work, um, but he gets the win. And because I think Connor, well, we're going to get into the Connor news at the end of this. I, I, I'm, I don't want to call it 100% because nothing's 100% in the fight game. I'm 95% sure he'll be back at one of the two dates I have that I've heard and, you know, stuff like that. I think it's going to be Nate Diaz trilogy. I think the UFC has held Nate Diaz out for so long because they want to make that fight for Nate's last fight. They want to get that big, big pay-per-view trilogy. I think, you know, it did 1.5 and 1.7. I think it does around the same, maybe even a little higher. 
just for Nate's last fight in the UFC, probably. I don't think, even if he beats Connor, I don't think he's coming back. I think he's going to move on and get the big boxing matches. So I think they're holding out. So for Michael Chandler, I know he called out Connor. I'm going to say Dustin Poirier. You know, I know they've kind of been sour towards each other. Chan- you know, Dustin, early on when Chandler was in the UFC, Dustin didn't see him as a challenger. Now it's funny because it's kind of turned. Dustin coming off a loss, he's like, now he said he'd fight Michael Chandler. And Chandler's like, well, you, you absolutely just put me to the side early on. But I think it's a fight that makes sense. I don't think Gaethje's coming back to the end of the year. I do think the, if, if Olvera is true, he's not going to fight till the end of the year. I think they make Dariush and Islam. So I think Poirier and Chandler makes the most sense. And absolute fireworks. Fireworks. Um, that's a great fight for both guys. I think it, the winner, I don't think the winner of that fight gets a title shot immediately because I do think the winner of Islam, Dariush, will get the next shot at Olvera. But I do think if Dustin, whoever Dustin Poirier and Chandler, who, if they fought and whoever won, I think you put yourself in a number one contender's bout with Gaethje. Or maybe not a number one contender's bout because Gaethje's coming off the loss. But a big fight with Gaethje at the end of the year. Or maybe a big fight with Connor at the end of the year. Or you put yourself next after Islam Dariush. I think it just makes a ton of sense. Obviously, the, sle- the, you know, the snoozer of the card was Rose and Esparza. I went back and watched it. Yes, it's a painful watch. I have Rose winning the fight. I thought she won 48-47, but that doesn't matter. The judges scored it the way they scored it. For Rose, I think you're definitely not getting a media title shot because I think what the UFC is going to do here, we'll start with Esparza who won. She's going to fight the winner of Weili Zane Yawana, which is in a couple weeks. I think she definitely fights the winner of that because I don't think UFC wants to go Rose Esparza 3 immediately. I think Rose is probably going to get a fight in between there. Marina Rodriguez makes the most sense. They haven't fought. She's ranked, I believe, third in the division. So I would do her next. And if Rose wins that, then she can fight the winner of Esparza versus either Whaley or Ioana, which I would expect Whaley or Ioana to beat Esparza because they're not going to fight like Rose. And then you get Rose versus Whaley or Ioana possibly. Um, but those are the two fights I make. There's nothing to really talk about on that fight. That fight was not very good. Gaethje Oliveira. Oliveira, you know, obviously missed weight. It was sad, but man, did he look good. He, to me, he got hurt. The first one, he definitely was rocked. The second one was more him going to the ground. Um to just get his wits about him he wasn't really hurt i a guy made it a very good point i, I read it on twitter about Oliveira. if it's not a daru because daruish or islam would definitely go to the ground with him because maybe not daruish as much but islam obviously wants to be on top but if he's fighting a connor a poirier a chandler it was even shocking that chandler fall into the ground uh a gaichi he basically has his own version of a of a 10 count he can lay there wait like a little bit and then the ref will stand him up and he gets to get his wits about him you know for Gaethje I don't know it depends right now if it kind of I had this down uh like a week ago for who he's gonna fight I would honestly say I don't Gaethje's not the guy I don't I know the rumor that he might wait I don't think so so RDA and uh Rafael Fazaya fight really soon I think they're six and eight or six and seven that makes a ton of sense. The winner of that fight's Gaethje. Because in my opinion, Gaethje's now got two title shots, and he's been choked and lost both, right? They're not going to rush him to a title shot. He's going to need two big wins to get another title shot. So I think, you know, RDA Fazayev winner, if he wins that, then he could get a Poirier or a Chandler, and if he wins that, then we're talking another title shot. But I think he's going to need two. It's not going to be one fight, and he's back in the title mix. There's no way. So winner of a... Uh, RDA Fazayev, and for Charles Oliveira, it's one of Islam Darius. They both, I think they're the most deserving. I honestly, you look at the resumes, I think Darius deserves it more than Islam. 
but I do agree that they should fight. And the winner of that gets Charles. I think that makes the most sense. So yeah, for Charles, who looked phenomenal, obviously dropping Gaethje and then submitting him, I think he fights the winner of Islam Darius for the undisputed title. UFC fight night, not the best card. Um, we only have four fighters down. Caitlin Jukagian got a really nice win uh, over Amanda Hebos. I think Alexa Grasso makes a ton of sense. You know, you kind of got to look at, okay, who has she fought in that division because the division's kind of weak. She has not. I don't think she's fought Grasso, so I think that fight makes the most sense. Um, next, I think Grasso's ranked fourth or fifth, so I think that fight just makes a ton of sense. Ryan Spann got a really nice knockout of uh, Ion Kutalaba. Um there was the, the light heavyweight division's pretty booked up right now. Now I know one guy's looking to come back. He hasn't fought in a while. It's Dominic Reyes. He's looking to come back soon. Dominic Reyes makes a ton of sense for his comeback fight to be Ryan Spann. I don't think you should throw Reyes to the pack. And I'm not saying Ryan Spann's an easy fight because he's dangerous. So it's a dangerous fight for Dominic, but it's a winnable fight. So I like Reyes Spann for Rockage. Obviously he tore his ACL. Um, it's a wait and see thing. Uh, you can't really, he's going to be out for 9 to 12 months. You can't really pick a fight right now. So it's a wait and see. For Jan, uh, even though it ends in an injury, I thought he looked good. I thought he won round one uh, for the first that first minute and a half that was fought in the third round before the ACL tear. I thought he looked really good. Obviously, he got taken down in round two, but I thought Jan looked pretty good. Um, his, combination, his combinations looked well. Uh, hold on, get a drink. Um... Obviously, there's Ankaliyev and Anthony Smith fighting. I don't know what the UFC is going to do. Do they want to do Glover Yon too if Glover wins? I think if Yuri wins, honestly, I think if Yuri wins, there's more of a chance that Yon gets the next shot. I think if Glover wins, it's going to be interesting to see. Do they want Glover to fight someone new? Actually, Glover has Glover fought Anthony? I can't remember. I know he has not fought Ankaliyev. Ankaliyev. I think if Ankaliyev looks really good, let's say Ankaliyev dominates Anthony Smith, which is very possible. I think he could get the next title shot for sure. But that's what we're going to go with. So for Connor, dates I heard. UFC 278 is August 20th. If they did that and Nate Diaz 3 there, they have not picked a set date. Salt Lake City is rumored, but they could be it could be LA or Vegas. If Connor and Nate fought on August 20th, they would definitely do Vegas. Um, that would be six years actually to the date of the rematch. It was August 20th, 2016. The other one is September 24th, UFC 279, which I believe they're coming to Vegas for that. So that is another possibility. I think September 24th is probably the more correct date for Connor. Um, gives him more time. Um, but you never know. But one of those dates will be Connor's fight. I 95% can, can confirm that. Uh, but again, the reason I can't say 100% is because you never know in the UFC. You never know what they're going to do. All right, so let's get into some soccer. Liverpool won the sec- their second cup of the season, beat Chelsea on pens again to win the FA Cup. They've done the double. Um, Liverpool, one point down to Man City, will come down to the final day. Um, they need a win, and they need City to lose or draw. City play Villa, who obviously Steven Gerrard is the coach, and Phil- Felipe Coutinho is there, Liverpool guys. You know, as you know, I'm almost I'm as big as an Aston Villa fan this weekend as I am Liverpool, dude. You need it. We need it. We need them to get a result, whether it's a win or a draw, and we have to beat we have to beat Wolves. We have to. So I can't wait though for Saturday. Uh, Mbappe is deciding between PSG and Madrid. He will decide actually 5:30 a.m. Eastern. Um, Sunday mor- Sunday morning. 
A lot of people say that he has the exact same offers from Real Madrid and PSG. It's literally identical. It's up to him now. They're saying the last couple of days he's kind of, you know, he was really hedging towards Madrid. Now it's kind of even. He loves France. He loves living in France, and he loves PSG. So we're going to see about that. Uh, Klopp re-signed with Liverpool until 2026. Once Salah and Mane deals done. But I'm guessing that they know they probably will only bring back one of them. And it's going to be Salah. Mane is heavily linked with Madrid, uh, Barcelona, uh, Bayern, and PSG. PSG obviously thinking... Because I think Mane has revitalized career as a number... You know, as, a, as kind of a striker. And I think, you know, then losing Mbappe, they'd go after Mane as their striker with Messi and Neymar. Um... I think they said that PSG would be in the lead, that they, he would he would prefer PSG over any of the others. Um, and I think this is why you've seen Liverpool heavily, heavily linked now to Anthony, the uh, winger from Ajax, because uh, I think they know they can rotate him, Diaz, and Salah at the front three with Jota as well. I think that's why you're seeing that. Uh, Lua wants to lead Bayern for a new challenge, tells Bayern he won't sign a new deal. He wants to go to Barcelona, but Chelsea... Um, Chelsea have interest, which is just insane. They just paid $100 million for Lukaku and they have Timo Werner. I'm guessing they'd have to sell one of them. Probably Lukaku. I don't know how much they can get for him. Um, Arsenal would have been interested. They are probably going to miss Champions League football now, so that's probably out the window. I don't know. I don't, you know, I think... Uh, I don't think Real Madrid will be interested, to be honest, since they have Benzema in their... Heavily in on Mbappe, maybe a PSG, but I think he wants to go to. I've I've heard that he he wants to go to one. He wants to go to Spain or England. He thinks those are the two most competitive leagues, which I would agree. All along with Italy, um. Uh yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. They have to buy him. He's got one year left on his deal, so we'll see what happens. I think that's why again, Man U's close to signing uh, Frankie De Jong. I think that's a part of the. The reason that they're trying to sell De Jong is because they're trying to raise more funds. Or, you know, Serginio Desk could be out, a couple other guys, to get the funds to get uh, Lewandowski. Uh, Man City did sign Erling Holland, you know, so big, big summer for a lot of uh, Premier League teams. You know, if you're Tottenham, you have to splash if you lose Harry Kane, which is very possible. Um, So, you know, if you lose Harry Kane, I know they love Latoro Martinez from Inter. You have to pay $100 million probably for him, though. Uh, Victor Osman, $100 million. But if they lose Harry Kane, they'll probably get $100 million. You know, the rumor, could Harry Kane come to Liverpool? It's possible. Liverpool probably need a splash. You know, they were interested in Mbappe, but I think Mbappe, he'll, he'll come to the Prem. He wants to at some point, but I don't think it'll be till he's, you know, he's only 22, 23. I think that'll be 27, 28 range when he comes, when he's fully in his prime. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with Harry Kane and Lewandowski. Those are two big strikers that are on the market. And I think Liverpool is going to need something big to compete without the Holland transfer. Gabriel Jesus from, you know, I think Man City is going to lose quite a few guys. I've already said Gundogan for, for uh, Fernandinho are leaving. Uh, Gabriel Jesus and possibly Raheem Sterling out as well. Raheem Sterling could move to Tottenham. Uh, it would be insane if they could keep Harry Kane and have human sung Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling would be nice for Tottenham. Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal. We'll see, though, about that because he's linked to a lot of other clubs. And will he go to Arsenal with no Champions League football? So my predictions were, like I said, Rangers 2-1 off on that. Europa, uh, Europa Conference League Final, I'm going Roma 3, Feyenoord 1. And in the Champions League Final, Liverpool 4, 
Real Madrid 2. So let's get in my Premier League team of the season. We'll start off first team, goalkeeper, Allison for Liverpool. He's been unreal. Been already capped it off. I think he wrapped it. He wrapped this up for me with the uh, penalty save um, on Mason Mount. Unbelievable. Uh, okay, now for uh, for uh, defense, left back, Zhao Cancelo for Man City. Man, what can you say? Dude's world-class, best left back in the world. On the right back, I got Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, again, I think people talk a lot of shit on his defense. I think he's phenomenal. At center backs, I'm going Ant- Antonio Rudiger out of Chelsea and Virgil van Dijk out of Liverpool on my first team center backs. In the midfield, so in the midfield I did a, a CDM, a central midfielder, and a central attacking midfielder. For CDM, going Declan Rice out of West Ham. I think he's going to move to Chelsea. You know, he, he that's, that's a club he wants to go to. I think he goes there. I don't think he's going to Man U. But I do think he goes to Chelsea. Kevin De Bruyne in central midfield. What can you say? I mean, he was unreal this year for them. And another Man City center attacking mid, uh, Bernardo Silva. Um, on the wingers, I got Human Sung out of Tottenham on the left side. And then Mo Salah on the right out of Liverpool. And then at striker, Cristiano Ronaldo out of Manchester United. My second team, I'm going David De Gea in goal. You know, it's like people can be like, yeah, yeah, I know they allowed you know some goals and, you know, he, he's made some mistakes, but, I mean, he's by himself. That back line was awful this year. I'm going David De Gea. You could argue he could have been first-teamer. Uh, at left back, I'm going Andrew Robertson out of Liverpool. And right back, Kyle Walker out of Man City. At the center backs for second team, Ruben Diaz out of Man City. And Joel Matip out of Liverpool. Um, in the midfield, at center defensive, Rodri from Man City. Uh, center mid, I'm going Connor Gallagher out of Crystal Palace on loan. He's from Chelsea. And then Cam going, I know you could, technically he's kind of a winger, but I'm going Cam, Jared Bowen out of West Ham. Uh, Wingers, uh, Sadio Mane out of Liverpool and Phil Foden of Manchester City. And then Diogo Jota out of Liverpool at striker. Let's get into the fee segment. So I already have my conference finals predictions down before the games. I'm going to leave them. Miami Heat Celtics, I went Heat in seven. A little more worried after last night, but the Heat, they need four games where they play really good offensively because they play bad, they'll play bad offensively. That's probably, I think Boston's the most complete team left out of the four when it comes to mixing defense and offense. The Heat are probably the best defensive team, even though it didn't look like it last night. They're just offense isn't on the Celtics level, but I'm going Heat in seven. Golden State Mavericks, I went Mavs in six. We'll see. They got to win tonight. I said they. I said for them to win this series, they had to split one of the first two, uh, and so they got to win tonight. Tonight's got to be a win for them. Um. So, what was it? Biggest concerns. Okay, so we're gonna go to biggest concerns for the teams left in the conference finals. For Mavs, it's definitely got to be supporting cast. Luke is gonna get his. They're gonna play well defensively, but. Because playing well defensively, I think, is holding, to, holding the team around 100 points in today's NBA. It's not 80s and 90s, you know, points anymore. Can the supporting cast do enough to help them help him? They did not in Game 1. They're going to have to tonight in Game 2. That is the biggest concern for them is their supporting cast. Warriors, I'm going physicality. I think, you know... It's it's they're not a physical bunch. They do have Draymond Green, obviously, and I think Kevon Looney's a bit physical, but they're not a physical bunch. And the Mavs play physical defense. They didn't play good defense game one, but 
that's my worrisome for the Warriors going up against the Heat or Boston if they make the finals as well. For the Heat and Celtics, it's hard to find one. I'm going for the Heat. You could go just scoring. I'm going to go Tyler Hero. In my opinion, he has to average 20 to 25 points in this series for them to advance. He ha- He's their number two scorer. He has to be good for them to win. For the Celtics, I really couldn't – I don't think there's – they don't really have one. I just went coaching experience because it's Yudoka's first year as a coach. They don't really have any – they don't really have any flaws, though. I really think Boston is probably the – you know, they might be the best team left. It's You know, so I'm going to go coaching experience, though. Um, Boston has the least flaws, in my opinion. They have the least flaws of the four teams left. After last night, if I could give live update, I think Boston's going to win this series. I'm still going to hold out hope for the Mavs because this is what they do. They kind of they have a game, they have a couple games where they they have two, three games in a series where they play really bad because the supporting cast doesn't show up. Games when the supporting cast does show up, they're very tough to beat because they're very good defensively and they're locked in. Jason Kidd's a tremendous coach. The Heat still have a chance. They have to. They have to be better defensively, and they have to be able to score the ball. You have to be able to score the ball. Who is the MVP of the postseason thus far? I'm gonna go Luca. Um. I mean, he's he's. He didn't even have a second. He didn't have a second. Jalen Brunson and Stencher Dinwiddie are not stars in this league. They're very high-level role guys. And he's carried them thus far to the conference finals. He beat the Jazz. He beat the, the, he beat the, the overall number one seed, the best, you know, the best record in the regular season, Suns, in Game 7 in Phoenix. It has to be Luka Doncic right now. I would say if you're looking at a second, it's Jimmy Butler and then Jason Tatum. I would say those are my top three. Did we underestimate the Warriors, or has it been an easy path? Guys, okay, so I'll on who they play. Denver, who didn't have their second and third guy. Then they play Jaw in Memphis. Jaw was at, what, three, two, two, three games? I don't want to say it's been an easy path. It's been an easier path than me underestimating them. I don't think they're as good as people think they are. You didn't, you know, so I don't ever want to say easy path, though. I probably underestimated them a little, but I don't think they're as good as people think. I think the two East teams are the two best teams left. I truly do. Um, so... Yeah, I underestimated them a little, but I still don't think... I think team. I think people are overrating how good they really are. Did we overrate the Suns? I personally did. I had them as my runaway NBA Finals winners. I said they'd be in the finals. I said they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I definitely uh, overrated the Suns. Some people didn't. Like my brother, he did the picks with me. He had. The, he actually. And people can say what they want. Say, say I'm lying. I'm not lying. He picked the Mavs to beat them. He has the. He had the Mavs and the Sixers in the finals. He picked the Mavericks to beat the Suns in round two. I overrated them because I said they'd be NBA champions. I really, I, I did overrate them. Uh, I don't know what happened. They fell apart. Complete, complete collapse. It was a complete collapse. 
Can Luka pull LeBron and single-handedly get a team to the finals? I think he can. I think you look at it at 2018, he has even a better, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, because Kevin Love just really wasn't, he was good, but he was, you know, he was he was battling injuries. Jeff Green was the second best player in those playoffs. He has a better supporting gas, and they're much better defensively than that Cleveland team was in 2018. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think he can do it. I really do think he can do it. I think he can get his team to the finals. Now, will they beat Miami or Boston? That's That's another question. I would probably pick Miami or Boston to win the finals, whoever gets there, to be honest. But uh, I do think he can get him there. Will an Embiid-led Sixers team ever have the toughness and leadership to get to the finals? Toughness isn't a question for me. Injury, Embiid played through a broken thumb and a broken orbital bone this postseason. Toughness isn't a problem for me. Embiid's got the toughness. Leadership is the thing. I don't think he... I Like I said, I've always said, I in today's age, I don't think a center... I think there's one center. I think Jokic can lead a team to a finals if you put the perfect team around him. And maybe Embiid could too. But I le- I like I'm heavily on Jokic's side. I think Jokic can lead a team to a finals with a really good team around him. I don't know if Embiid can. I really don't know if he can. I think he's tougher than shit. He proved that. Toughness isn't a question. I don't know about leadership and we'll see what happens this offseason with him. Is Embiid's title window closing? I don't think it's it's so it's closing the question. It's not closed, obviously. Closing at twenty eight with all the injuries, I think he's got a couple years left of winning the title. I think by thirty thirty one, it's probably closed for him. Especially like I said, I just don't think he can lead. I don't think any center in the NBA. I would, if I had to rank players that could lead a team to a championship. Embiid would not be in my top 10, and it'd be tough to fit Jokic in my top 10 because I just don't believe centers can lead teams to NBA titles anymore. It's not the day of Hakeem, Kareem, Will, Shaq, David Robinson, Tim Duncan. It's not that era anymore. It's just not. I can, and that's, that's the thing we'll do. Next list, I'll list, the, I'll list my 15, my top 15 guys I would choose in the NBA right now to lead a team to an NBA title. Going to be a tough list. Because once you get past probably seven, eight guys, you're like, okay, who are we filling in here? <laughs> like, let's be honest. And we'll do it as to ever. Like, will they ever lead a team to a title? So I'll include some younger guys. Because I don't think some of the other guys. I think, like, a Donovan Mitchell is a complete number two. I think a Zach Levine's a number two. I think a Bradley Beal's a number two. I would put a LaMelo <coughs> or a Cade potentially over them because I do think they are leaders and can lead a team. I don't think those type of guys can. With Canelo losing, does Jake Paul deserve to fight him? Here's the thing. Jake Paul has put three in three years he'll fight him. By 2025, he thinks he'll fight Canelo. That's realistic. Does he ever no he doesn't ever deserve to fight anybody? Unless he starts proving that he can beat legit boxers. Anders Silva's in a boxing match Saturday night. If Anderson Silva goes out there and wins, he should call Jake Paul out and say, let's fight. You know, you've talked all this game. Let's fight. Anderson's what, 2-0 as a boxer now? Since his return to boxing? He beat Chavez Jr. By decision in Chavez Jr.'s hometown. 
and then he knocked out Tito Ortiz. Anderson's legit, and he's st- it's still if he fought Anderson, I would give him all the credit because it's a scary, it's a scary fight. It's an absolutely scary fight. Anderson's so good. You watch Anderson, it's like goddamn at thirty, he should have transitioned over to boxing. And you know why I would give Jake Paul props? Because I don't give him a chance to win that fight. And if he won it, then, I, then I'd start saying, okay, that's legit. That's moving towards getting the Canelo fight. Beat Anderson and then start beating better boxers. If he can start doing that, then okay, I think you can fight him. And then maybe by 2025, if he's beating like some legit boxers that are like, you know, around 11, 12, 13, 14, no, 14 and 1, and he starts beating them, then he can start earning the deserve part to fight Canelo. He does not deserve it right now. Canelo just moved up to 175 pounds and fought either the first or second best guy in that weight class, probably the first, and went all 12 rounds. You know, he definitely lost, and now he's gunning for the rematch. He could take the Golovkin fight and get back on track and then come back to it. He wants it off the go, off the rip. He wants the rematch. That's Canelo. Canelo is a bad motherfucker. I don't even care that he lost. He's still my pound pound number one. He was up in weight. He, Canelo's still my pound pound number one. Like, let's be honest. He just fought the better guy. On the night, on the night he fought the better guy. Could Canelo make adjustments? Absolutely he could. He's still, to me, the best boxer in the world. So yes, he could make adjustments. He does not deserve a Canelo fight now. In three years, we can talk, we can talk about that differently, maybe. As of right now, absolutely not. Is Connor still the bread after UFC 274 calls? Well, I mean, yeah. Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. Two biggest names on the cards. Two of the bigger names in the sport. Called him out. Oliveira is the champion. He called him out. Michael Chandler calls him out. Connor's on a, you know, a one and a, a one fight losing streak, in my opinion. The, obviously, the broken leg. I don't count that as a loss. What people can say what they fucking want. That's my opinion. He just he has a loss to Dustin Poirier, and then a broken leg, and people are still calling him out now in 2022. Absolutely, still the bread. They know they can make the most money from him. Absolutely, he's still the bread. Not even discussion. But I do believe it'll be Nate Diaz in August or September. It'll be Nate Diaz trilogy. That'll be the fight for Connor. Okay. My post lottery way too early 2022 NBA draft. So the lottery went uh, Cleveland 14, Charlotte 13, Oklahoma City 12. Who was that pick via? I can't remember who that pick was. Oh, the, no, I don't remember who that was. Knicks 11, Wizards 10, Spurs 9, Pelicans 8 via the Lakers, Blazers, Pacers, Pistons, Kings, Rockets, Thunder, Magic. The Spurs have the most picks in the first round? They have three. Oklahoma City also has three. Memphis has one. Memphis has two. Memphis has two first-rounders, so Oklahoma City and Spurs, good t- teams that need more, more talent to come in. Uh, they have three. So at the first pick, I have the Orlando Magic selecting Chet Holmgren because I think he's undoubtedly the number one prospect. Um, I understand you have Wendell Carter. That's fine. You move off Wendell Carter for Chet, or you move Wendell Carter to the bench for Chet easily. Oklahoma City. For Oklahoma City, it's best. It's for Oklahoma City and Houston and probably even – no, not really Sacramento – but for Oklahoma City and Houston, it's best player available. It's one of the three. Oklahoma City, Jabari Smith. I mean, come on. Now you have Shea, Giddy, Lou. 
Jabari, and you know you probably need to find a, get a veteran center or a center in free agency. I don't think Derek Favor is the answer. Uh, for the for, so for the Rockets, it's easy. Paul Bancaro. Obviously, I think the Rockets and Thunder would have liked to get one because I think they would want Chet because I think the center position is needs filled for the Thunder and the Rockets more than the Magic. But you can't be ha- you can't be unhappy for Houston getting Paul Bancaro for the Kings. I have the Kings selecting Ochai Abaje, the wing out of Kansas. <laughs> People can call us a homer. This is what I would do. De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell aren't the best shooters. Get a guy that can shoot the ball next to them. Ochai Abaje. Detroit at five. I have them getting A.J. Griffin again. Cade can shoot, obviously, and I think he's going to get a lot better at shooting. Get a catch-and-shoot guy for him. A.J. Griffin, wing out of Duke. I think it makes a ton of sense. For the Pacers, I think the Pacers are going overhaul offseason. You're going to see Brogdon, TJ Warren, Miles Turner all, all moved. So right here, I'm going center Jalen Duran out of Memphis to yeah, pick and roll with him and Halliburton is going to be nasty. That's who i go with there. For Portland, I look at Portland and I say, okay, they want to go win now. I think Jaden Ivey can come into the league and have as much success as Anthony Simons immediately, and you don't have to pay him as much. I would let Anthony Simons walk, and I would take Jaden Ivey here at seven. I think Jaden Ivey can come in right away and play next to Dame and play tremendous next to Dame. So that's what I would do. Pelicans, they don't like Devontae. Um, Alvarado and McCollum aren't like they're not known for facilitating. So I would go Dyson Daniels, the point guard out of the G League Ignite, six six point guard, facilitates all those scores you have. He's long. I think he'll get better defensively. I like this for them. For the Spurs, I'm not as high. I was not as high as Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis, probably why they're falling for me. I'm going Keegan Murray here, though. I think he fits San Antonio. Um, pick and pop at the four, can stretch the floor, is athletic enough, is athletic, can get to the rim. I think it makes a ton of sense for the Spurs, and they probably need a four. At 10. I have the Washington Wizards selecting Shaden Sharp as their Bradley Beal replacement. I do think Bradley Beal's gone this offseason. Um, so I'm going Shaden Sharp. All potential. Didn't play college last year because of some, you know, infractions or whatever. I'm going Shaden Sharp here at 10 to the Wizards to replace Bradley Beal. At 11, the New York Knicks. Ben Matherin, the guard out of Arizona. Put him and RJ Barrett next to each other. Let's go. Let's start going. I know you could say, well, a point guard. Well, how many point guards have they taken hasn't worked out? If Dyson Daniels was here, I would have probably taken Dyson Daniels. But I think New Orleans, it's, it's a great fit for Dyson Daniels. So I'm going Ben Matherin out of Arizona, the, the guard. Uh, Oklahoma City with their second pick. Okay, so you got, you got Jabari at the four. Here's your five. Mark Williams, center from Duke. I think he's unreal. I think, again, when you're, to me, when you're, if, you don't have, if you don't have a guy like uh, Jokic, MB, Cat, um, Bam, who can score, uh, Vucevic, Valanciunas, some other guys that can score. Go for a rebounding defensive center that just locks down the paint, and that is Mark Williams to a T, and I think he's a perfect fit for the Thunder. At 13, the Hornets. P.J. Washington's kind of been on the chopping block, so I'm going Jeremy Shohan, the Ford out of Baylor. You know, wasn't their best player, but I thought he turned it up really good late in the season. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think it's a tremendous pick for the Hornets. Cleveland at 14. This is where I had to stop the Johnny Davis slide. 
because I feel like he can come in and play right away still. And I think it's just a good fit for Cleveland. You get a guy I think that can come into the come into your team, be in the rotation next year. Charlotte again. This time I want Malachi Branham, the wing out of Ohio State shooter. Get a shooter, spot up for Lamelo. I love this pick. Um, so yeah, I'm going Malachi Branham, the wing out of Ohio State to Charlotte. 16 Atlanta. I'm going Nikola Jovic, the Ford out of Serbia, who I think can play the three, the four, and the five at six ten. Can play your small ball five at times. A lot of upside. I think you're going to probably see him get higher in my mock drafts as we go on. Um, I think he could definitely creep his way into the top ten. Houston. I like a point guard here for Houston. You know, like I know that Kevin Porter ran it last year, but I don't think that's his natural position. I'm going Kennedy Chandler, the point guard out of Tennessee. Tremendous upside. Highest vertical in the combine. Explosive. I really like Kennedy Chandler. Chicago. A possible Zach Levine replacement. Jaden Hardy out of the G League Ignite. Again, a guy I think that could rise in these mocks. Um, he is very, very talented. And uh, you might need it too. You know, Zach Levine might walk. For Minnesota, uh, a true power forward here. I know they have Vanderbilt. They run McDaniels at the four, but I think he's more of a three. Tari Eason out of LSU. Can stretch the floor, and he can body down low. I like this pick a lot for Minnesota. Spurs, their second pick. I'm going Ty Ty Washington, guard out of Kentucky. Come in, I think he's raw, but the Spurs are very good at developing players. I don't Obviously, I don't think he's a day one starter, but I do think he's a guy that can play in the rotation. He's 6'5", so it's not like he has to play point. He can play next to DeJounte. Very raw talent. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a tremendous pick for the Spurs to develop him. For Denver at 21, I'm going Christian Brown, the wing out of Kansas. Uh Read some really good reports on him. He won uh, player of the game of the draft combine yesterday. Did not participate today because I think he knows he's probably locked in as a first-round pick. Uh, a lot of scouts like him. Uh, they say that he has – a lot of scouts say he's the best wing defender in the draft and that he has so much upside. I would agree. Um, you know, I'm iffy on him, though. It looks like he's really, really put work into that jump shot. It looks a lot better than it did even in college two, three months ago. I think Denver just, it makes sense, a good wing, another good wing player, because they like to play a little smaller when Jokic is out there anyway. They'll play Porter Jr. at the five, and then Brown plays the two or the three. I love this pick. For Memphis, this would be their first pick. Usman Dien, the forward out of New Zealand. Again, raw guy, but they love picking potential guys. You know, Zaire Williams. Now they get Usman Dien, the forward out of New Zealand. Uh, Philadelphia, I want Blake Wesley, the guard out of Notre Dame. Tremendous upside. I, again, I don't know if he comes in and plays immediately. They could also use this draft pick possibly to trade to get a more veteran player because they're obviously going to be win now. But Blake Wesley's a stud. Uh, Milwaukee, I don't, I'm not high on Brooke Lopez, so who's their center? I don't like Bob Portis for my center all the time. I'm going a rim-protecting center, Walker Kessler out of Auburn. I think it just makes the most sense. They need a rim protector down there. You know, not having to have Giannis always have to be the rim protector. So Walker Kessler makes the most sense. Spurs, their third pick. EJ Liddell, the Ford center out of Ohio State. Um, 6'7", led the Big Ten in blocks, I believe, at three blocks a game. He's a tremendous athlete. And I think he just, again, feels like a Spurs guy. Dallas Mavericks. This is kind of an upside pick. Patrick Baldwin, the Ford out of Milwaukee. You know, he could have went to any, he was a five-star, could have went to any college he wanted to. Chose to stay at Milwaukee. Um, play with his dad. A lot of people thought, okay, he's going to go to Milwaukee. He's going to average like 25 a game. Only averaged 12 a game. Didn't have a breakout season like people thought. 
But I still think there's so much upside. He might have be top five, top seven most highest upsides in this class. Miami Heat. You think of the Heat, you know, you want to go a certain culture. Wendell Moore was that guy for Duke. Passing, rebounding, scoring, defense. Wendell Moore here at 27 the Miami Heat makes so much sense. I think he just fits the the play style of the Miami Heat. 28, the Golden State Warriors. Jalen Williams, the center out of Arkansas, Uber Athletic Center. Rim protector. They kind of just need that. They don't need a center. That's why I thought they should have went Lamella Ball back in 2020. James Wiseman. Obviously, they thought Wiseman though could you know when Curry and Clay start to fall off, Wiseman could carry their team. You know, be a dominant center like an Embiid or a Jokic. But I like Jalen Williams here. I think he fits them. Uh, Memphis again. I'm going Marjan Bush Bushcamp, G League Ignite guard. Again, another project guy, but I think he, I think he's a stud. I think he definitely is the third of the G League guys, but I do think he's a stud. Oklahoma City Thunder, going with another, this is a, you know, I think they've taken Mark Williams and Jabari Smith, who will be in the rotation year one. This guy, I don't know if he'll be in the rotation, could be a G League guy to start. Bryce McGowan's the wing out of Nebraska. I think he's he's a stud, good athlete. I think you can develop him into a really nice player. So that would be my mock draft. Again, there's going to be so many more coming. You know how did the NFL do the same thing in the NBA? Um, and we'll move it around as you know as I hear things and stuff go on. So let's get into my post NFL free agency and draft standing predictions. So again, I picked every single NFL game, every single one. In the NFC West, <clears throat> I have the Los Angeles Rams finishing first at twelve and five. They did not get the first round buy for me, though. I did not have them uh, getting that first round buy. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers at 10 and 7. I don't. I think if it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, they're going to be fine. So I'm going them. I, I have the Cardinals dropping off this year at 8 and 9. Tough schedule. You know, you just go through and, like I said, I'm, just, I'm going through and I'm writing the records down week by week. And it just happened to go 8 and 9. That's what I thought. Again, stuff can change. Hawkins out six weeks. I think I have them starting off two and four, one and five. It's gonna be tough. Seattle, I finished at two and fifteen. <laughs> Again, some of this stuff could change, obviously, but this is my first one I'm doing like this. So two and fifteen for Seattle. In the NFC South, I had Tampa at thirteen and four. Um getting the number one overall seed in the NFC. I had the Saints finishing ten and seven. They will be the top wild card. Uh the Niners were the second wild card, and the Rams finished second. We'll go through that. Panthers three and fourteen. Falcons two and fifteen. I mean, they suck. And ne- uh, next week's podcast, I'm gonna ask or wh- when Fee comes on, I want him to come with an over under of when I think these the rookie quarterbacks will, will could get in. Okay, so we're gonna do that when Fee comes uh, on the podcast. NFC North. I had the Packers at twelve and five, finishing third in the playoff standings, and then I had the Vikings at second at ten seven, being the last wild card. Uh, I had Detroit going six and eleven. And the Bears going six and eleven. In the NFC East, I had the Cowboys going uh, twelve and five, sweeping the NFC East again. I believe I had, and then <laughs> only going six and five against the rest. That's the Cowboys, huh? Eagles nine and eight, missing the playoffs. Commanders seven and ten, and then the Giants four and thirteen. So my playoff standings were Tampa getting the one, Rams two, Packers three, Cowboys four, Saints five. 49ers 6, Vikings 7. Let's move on to the AFC. The AFC East. 
I had the Bills with the best record in the NFL, 14-3. and three. They're obviously the number one overall seed. Dolphins and Patriots both going 7-10. and 10, And the Jets going 5-12. and 12. In the North, I had the Ravens finishing 12-5. and five. The Bengals 11-6, and six, finishing second. The Ravens were the 3, and the Bengals were the 7. Um, Steelers 9-8. and eight. Still had them get... I, know, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, man, am I going to have the Steelers get a winning record? Favorable schedule. I, you know, they're going to win some games. I think they'll still get a winning record. Browns are 6-11 and 11 because I don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be. If it's Baker or Jacoby Brissett, I think it's more the 6-11 and 11 side. If it's Deshaun, some stuff will change. If Deshaun isn't suspended for eight games. AFC South. The Colts finishing 11-6. and six. They were the fourth seed. Uh, the Titans 8-9 and nine, missing the playoffs. Jags 6-11. and 11, Texans 4-13. and 13. In the AFC West, all winning records, but one team does miss the playoffs. Chiefs 13-4, and four, winning the division, finishing as the two seed. Chargers also 13-4, and four, being the number one wild card. The Raiders 11-6, and six, being the second wild card. And the Broncos at 9-8, and eight, missing the playoffs. So my AFC playoffs are the Bills the one, getting the bye. The Chiefs is the two. The Ravens is the three. The Colts is the four. The Chargers is the five. Raiders at six. Bengals at seven. So that'll conclude this podcast. It was a good one. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Like I said, I don't know. I'm going to talk to Fee and we'll get a date. I don't know. I may have still. I may have one more podcast before he comes on, but uh, we'll talk. I'll talk to him and then we'll we'll figure out when he wants to come. I believe it could be June first. So I think I might have one more out because UFC pay per view coming up. I want to get one more out. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. Peace.